Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with hosts Amy Babinchek, James Kernan, and Carl Polachek. Produced by Kernan Consulting and for the international MSP community, we are dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the SMB Community Podcast. This is James Kernan with Kernan Consulting here today with another superstar special guest, Donna Bloom. Hey, Donna, welcome. Hi, James. Thank you for having me. You bet. So uh, I invited Donna on the program because of our MSP question of the week. And before I go there, let me just kind of talk about Donna's background a little bit. Uh, Donna kind of brings many talents to the table, but she's a longstanding friend, uh, longstanding technology veteran in, in our industry, dating back to, to Inacom and Kingston and, and big companies like that, uh, but still still in the tech industry. And she also has a, a marriage ministry uh, that she runs on the side as well. So Donna, for our listeners, if you could, just why don't you elaborate a little bit on your background? Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, so I actually started my career in 1991, so I'm dating myself a little bit, uh, in the technology industry. My very first um, role outside of college was working for Intercom Information Systems here in Omaha. And then from there, I went to Kingston Technology out of Fountain Valley, California. Loved living in Southern California. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, I had various uh, sales and marketing roles at Kingston, uh, but eventually I was ready to come back home. And when I returned to Omaha, I worked for a while at a company called Advanced Network Technologies, selling uh, technical training solutions, and um, and then kind of um, made a little bit of a change in my career. Worked in nonprofit for a while, uh, but when I decided it was time to come back to the technology industry, I, I went to Scantron which is um, a managed services company. And uh, and more recently, I returned to BHMI. Uh, I worked here eight years previously, and my current role is director of sales for BHMI. And we, um, we are the providers of back office software for large organizations that process financial payments. Yep, payment processing, right, right. Okay, wow, you are a veteran. And all right, listeners, uh, know that I think I'm older than Donna, so because I started the industry earlier than her, but I think uh, I have her beat by at least a, a year in the tech space. But uh, yeah, I too am from the Midwest, uh, moved out to California, and I think that's where our paths might have crossed way back when at uh, in Kingston. Uh, we were a big Kingston reseller uh, based up in the Southern California area, so um yeah, I remember remember those days all too well. So, all right, thanks for that. So here's the question of the week. This is a tricky one, and it's going to take a little bit of explaining, but um, I wanted to invite um, Donna on to kind of talk about the question of the week, because also, besides being a, in the tech industry, she runs a marriage ministry, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, the question was, is it a good idea for couples to work together in the same company. <laughs> that, that, that's a tricky one. I, I think that's one of the hardest questions I've seen in a long time, right? Well, but, my uh, initial response to that 
is it depends. Um, it really kind of depends on the couple. Uh, I work really closely with my sister here at BHMI, and she and I make a phenomenal team, but um, I don't know that all sisters would work well together, but you're asking about spouses. And uh, we actually, being a smaller company, uh, BHMI, uh, we have about 70 employees and several husband and wife um, members on the team. In fact, uh, two of the Baldwins are uh, husband and wife, <laughs> and uh, and they do a pretty good job together. I mean, the business has been going strong for over 35 years, but I would say in general that it might not be the best idea. That I think it's a good idea to have some separation between work and family, uh, to mm -hmm. not bring your work home with you. And uh, if you do work together, um, we talked just briefly before starting our conversation here that it's probably a good idea to to have some boundaries in place. You know, like um, after five o'clock, we're going to leave work at work and we're going to go home and then we're going to be in like, you know, family mode. Um, so, yeah, I don't know that it's the best idea. I think my husband and I probably wouldn't work so well together, <laughs> uh, but we make a great husband and wife team. Yeah. Yep. That's interesting because uh, I've had different opinions of this and in my background, you know, first half of my career, 15 years, you know, worked in the tech space as a business owner primarily. And uh, out in California, I just, it, I didn't really run into that very much. It just seemed like there weren't that many relatives that worked for other organizations and Maybe besides my son interning for me, I didn't really run into that challenge. But relocating back in the Midwest, oh my gosh, like every other business is a family business in the Midwest. So it's much more prominent. And we're running into that in our peer groups. And that's really where the the question came up because there's a ton of husband and wife's team. And I'll just say from my standpoint, I echo what Donna just said. I think it's really important if you are going to do it, just set boundaries. There needs to be clear boundaries, you know, Monday through Friday, eight to five, we work together, we need to be professional, and we've got to keep business and personal separate. Right. And that really is the same thing, I think, also for other family members or office dating situations uh, as well. Uh, normally, I would try to avoid that. Um, I think I even went uh, the very first organization, Donna, that I worked for, fresh from Nebraska, move out to California, and I got recruited and I worked for a big Fortune 500 company called Roadway Express, a big transportation management company. I went through their management trainee program. And truth be told, one of the week training sessions that we had was on the corporate code of conduct. They had their own little, little book, corporate code of conduct, and it was pretty thick. And one of the things that was a a terminable offense, meaning you could get fired, was inner office dating. They wanted nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. And if there were family members involved, they would separate you. I mean, it's a huge company and they were going to move you to different locations. So uh, that was my orientation to that in the work world. <laughs> uh, was You know, it just was a no-no. But, well, you can imagine the problems that it would create if that dating relationship went south or husband and wife divorced. Uh, it would really kind of create a lot of upheaval in the work environment as well. Yeah, exactly. And and for those husband wife teams that are out there, you know, uh, Donna's on the program because she uh, has lots of experience with this topic. But uh, more specifically, she's got a heart for marriage. 
Uh, and the thing I will say is, you know, relationships are really important. Just establishing those ground rules are important. And again, one other thing I didn't say, but I'll, I'll comment on it. It's not for everybody. And you need to be honest with each other. I, I would put family first before profits and, and business. And if, and if you're not, I don't want to use the word mature enough, but if you're not able to separate work with your personal relationship, then don't bring it in the workplace. That, that's ultimately my, my answer, if that makes sense. So yeah, that's a that's a tough one. So <clears throat> kind of part two of, of this is, you know, as I look at this, uh, it's not just the the technology channel that the you know is attacking marriage and makes it difficult, but I think all businesses in general face this same same issue. There's a lot of inner office relationships and more specifically husband and wives that work for the same company. Uh, so that, uh, that goes without saying, and, and I guess in, in general, you know, I still feel like marriage is under attack as well. The divorce rate, I feel like is higher than ever, you know, and, and marriage is the foundation of strong family. And to me, with my beliefs, I, I feel like there's a, um, you know, that's why there's so much turmoil in the United States and in the world, because, you know, that is, is getting broken up. And uh, more and more kids are growing up without a father or without a mother. And, and I think statistically, that speaks for itself. That leads to trouble, right? right? Right. So why don't you elaborate a little bit more on your ministry? Because that kind of captured my thought and my heart. I remember working with you on a project and you said, hey, I have an idea. What do you think about this? I, I don't know if you remember that. We're sitting in I a boardroom. <laughs> And you just a random question and hit me from left field. It was like, oh my gosh, I think that's the best idea I've ever heard. And uh, why don't you elaborate on on your idea and what you're doing down with that ministry? Sure. Well, first of all, I'll just say that this idea was born out of um, my husband and, and and my journey. We actually uh, separated in 2009, and we were separated for uh, about a year. And um, in 2010, uh, I guess we defeated the odds and we reconciled. Um, so, so grateful that we didn't become one of the part of the divorce statistic. Um, but ever since that time, it's it really has felt like um, you know we've been compelled to do something to help other couples, because we do see that um, families and marriages are under attack by our society. Um, and so, you know, we wanted to share our story with others to help encourage them. Um, and, you know, since the time that we reconciled, we didn't really know what it was going to look like until around the time that COVID hit. Uh, we were a part of another ministry that was having large um marriage conferences and they couldn't have any of their events because of the pandemic and so it occurred to me what if we had a local ministry that provided marriage retreats on a more frequent basis and instead of people having to allocate a whole weekend they could just allocate a day and instead of them having to go out and figure out what they were going to do for their date night we would package it with a date night for them, just make it super simple. And, you know, it just kind of took root from there. Um, I had never formed a 501c3 before, but I just stepped out, you might say stepped out in faith 
um, to just start pursuing this. And so um, my husband and I have formed a ministry that's called the House Experience. And the reason for uh, that name is the, our mission statement. This is a Christian ministry. The mission statement is to help married couples and families experience and express God's love in their in their house. So that's the gist of it, right? It's it's for marriages and families. Um, what we offer, though, is a, a one-day marriage retreat called the Marriage Experience. In fact, we just had one this past weekend. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's really designed to, to teach, but also to give the couples an opportunity to really uh, reconnect and spend some really enjoyable time with one another. At the end of the day, we have a date night with... Uh, a catered dinner at their own private bistro table and we have live music so it's just really a, an enjoyable experience in fact James you and your wife attended one absolutely absolutely I was going to comment on that uh, firsthand experience but yes it's a one-day event if any of you have an opportunity to do that and, and here's the thing okay when you hear like a marriage workshop or the marriage experience it's a one-day retreat it's not for broken marriages it's for everybody. It's for people like me that have been happily married. We've had our ups and downs, but happily married for 30 years. I just want to make it better, right? Or or it's for the newbies, uh, anybody. If they're doing fantastic or they're struggling, uh, I think this is a great opportunity to strengthen marriage. So uh, anyway, Donna, thank you for doing what you do. I love the concept of the ministry. I know it's growing and uh I hear nothing but great things uh, from people that actually go through that one-day workshop. So thank you for that. You're welcome. All right. Um, and how can people get a hold of you if they want more information about the marriage experience or the ministry in general? Is there a, an email that they can reach out to or the website? Yes. Yeah, so uh, the website is thehouseexperience.com. And on the website, you can learn more about our upcoming events. We do have two events scheduled for 2024, one in June, one in September. And uh, also, um, if you wanted to reach out via email, the address is info at thehouseexperience.com. All right, fantastic. Well, hey, thanks for being on the program. Uh, before we sign out, I just want to make a quick announcement. Uh, we also interviewed a security expert for our five minutes with a smart person on this week's program. So Nick Wolf of Evo Security uh, talked about, uh, he and I actually talked about the MGM Grand hack that made the national news uh, this past week. So make sure you listen to that segment. So uh, Nick, anybody doesn't know Nick, I'm a little surprised because he's been around the block like me. Um, has less gray hair. And uh, anyway, uh, Nick is uh, a partner with um, Evo Security, but he's really been around the block. And that's what caught my eye on his bio. He's been with some of the big boys like Datto, uh, and then some of the up and comers like Scout Security and some others, uh, consults in the MSSP, the security space. And we wanted to talk a little security today. So Again, Nick, I'm excited um, excited to have you on the program. Before we jump into kind of what's in the news, I wanted to chat with you a little bit. Tell tell the audience a little bit more about your background. What got you into cybersecurity and into the channel? 
Yeah, sure thing. So uh, my experience in the channel actually started in high school. I was actually in the uh, my high school's technology club with the founder of uh, Datto. Uh, so got a very early start uh, at Datto. Wow. I was one of, I, I think I was their 20th employee. Um, it was a huge company at the time, 20 employees, right? We, we were building this huge. in high school. It was absolutely <laughs> huge. And then, uh, you know, over the next nine, 10 years, I was there as one of their top sales reps, got to travel the world, go to a lot of different industry events, work closely with Rob Ray and the business development team. It was absolutely a uh, fantastic time. By the time I exited Datto, we were at about 2,000 employees, 25,000 MSPs, and over a billion dollars in valuation. So from uh, basement to billions, it it was absolutely uh, an exciting ride. Very cool. Yeah. And then after that exit, I joined some uh, data alumni. We went over to a company called uh, Scout Cybersecurity. It was a it was another startup. It was uh, focusing on XDR services instead of backup services like data was. So yeah. uh, we were there for about two years. We scaled it from a, about a dozen MSPs to several hundred MSPs in around 18 months. That caught the eye of Barracuda Networks. And we were acquired by Barracuda Networks. And they rebranded us as Barracuda XDR. And still doing great things for XDR and cybersecurity services. Um, then after my leave there, I, I ended up uh, finding the good folks over here at Evo Security. And now we're talking about identity and access management for MSPs. Very cool. Yeah, and that's certainly needed, certainly needed. And it's also a perfect segue to, let's talk about what's in the news. What, what about this MGM hack? Um, what, what are your thoughts on on what happened there? Yeah, you know, it's crazy. MGM, Caesars, you know, these are huge, huge corporations that are losing millions upon millions of dollars a day, all because of a hack on the identity basis. And this goes to prove that, hey, if the big guys could get hacked and targeted, the small guys, SMB customers can get hacked and targeted as well, which is all the more reason why you as a managed service provider or a managed security service provider should really be teaching your clients about cyber hygiene, especially in the identity and access management space. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, um, you know, what's in the news, you know, the media, the newspapers, they want those big, sexy headlines. So when MGM, Caesars, you know, the big entities get hacked, you're going to hear about it. But what you don't hear about are the hundreds of thousands of other small businesses, like many of you, hint, hint, that are getting hacked, right? And it's a common problem across the board. Uh, and and I think that, um, you know, Nick just pointed out a common vulnerability across the board is is really, um, you know, access, you know, at the, at the user level. Uh, that's where these people are getting in. So what are what are some of your thoughts or or best practices to to help the listeners uh, one protect themselves or what are some of the do's and don'ts? Yeah, absolutely. So a couple things here. Obviously, uh, is going to be around your password. Make sure it's complex, but more important than keeping it complex, make sure it's rotated frequently. Thirty days, if not more frequently, uh, from a from a password perspective. The other aspect of it is enabling multi-factor authentication. Now, when you enable multi-factor authentication, let's get a little bit more sophisticated than it. Do not use an MFA tool that supports SMS or text-based messaging as the MFA source because uh, SIM hijacking is very, very easy. It's very, very easy for someone to call Verizon or T-Mobile and say, hey, this is Nick. I I changed my phone numbers, pulled over my SIM, and 
boom now now that hacker you know has that phone number has that mfa code and, and that's no yeah, good good point so, mm -hmm. so i would always recommend uh if you're using an mfa tool use an app-based program that supports something like geolocation push notifications you know hey james are you trying to log in through your laptop through tampa florida right now hey this is you on the pin this is this is how, how you're trying to log in that would be one method that I would recommend. Another method that I would recommend is using a hardware token, like a, a FIDO or a YubiKey that physically plugs into that local device that you're logging into that, you know, hey, this is my device, only I have access to it. Let me plug it in. And now I'm the actual person sitting at that terminal. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Yeah, I completely agree. So we, we talked a little bit about uh, what the organization does. Uh, wh where is your sweet spot? What what size of MSP? I know you're a channel organization, but where do you kind of fit in, uh, you know, si with, size-wise within uh, the, the partners that you work with? Yeah, so Evo, like I mentioned, is a channel-only company. So we only sell our MFA platform through managed service providers and managed security service providers. And I would say our sweet spot from an end-user customer standpoint is an SMB. Now, when I say an SMB, I'm talking about an organization that either has just one employee because it's a mom-and-pop shop or, or an organization that might have a couple hundred or a thousand employees. That, that's our bread and butter all day, every day. Uh, if you're an organization that has 100,000 users, as much as we would love your business, you know, we're more more geared towards the SMB market. There you go. And then, if you don't mind me asking, what, what's the price point? How how do you how are what does the pricing levels look like? Yeah, most of our pricing is about two dollars a user or less, uh, which is roughly about half the cost of the competition. If you're looking at some of the enterprise tools like Duo and Okta and some of the other ones that are out there. Okay. All right. Fantastic. And then, uh, how do you get yourselves out there? You know, I, I hadn't run into you before. Obviously, you're a new entity, up and comer. You guys are growing quickly. Uh, where might we find you show-wise or how do you get yourself out there from a marketing standpoint? Yeah, so so uh, we are growing and we're growing fast this year. We've landed well over 100 MSPs uh, since January, so we're super excited about that. Currently, there's about three ways that MSPs could buy us. They could buy us directly through our team. Uh, we also mm -hmm. established an exclusive partnership with ConnectWise. So if you're a ConnectWise partner, we're available through the ConnectWise marketplace or through your ConnectWise partner manager. So we're sold alongside the cybersecurity tech stack that ConnectWise sells, which is awesome. And we're also partnered with the good folks over at Solutions Granted, which was recently named the ASCII vendor of the year, both in 2021 and 2022. So those are the three ways that MSPs can end up uh, buying Evo and seeing Evo. We're also very uh, active on Reddit. We're active on LinkedIn. We do some posts on Facebook as well. Last but not least, uh, we're going to be attending some events. We'll be at uh, DattoCon uh, in a couple weeks in Miami, uh, IT Nation in November. We're going to write a boom conference next year in March. So you're going to start seeing us more and more as we start attending more in-person events in addition to all the work that we're doing online uh, on Reddit, on LinkedIn, and through podcasts. Yep. Love it. Love it. Yeah. And I, I love your approach. I've seen some of the stuff out on social media that you guys take more of an education approach to engagement. You know, it's not salesy. And uh, I think that's a turnoff for most people, but the uh, education side is is a thumbs up. So good, good work on that. So, hey, uh, before we wrap up, couple final questions. Any final words of wisdom from a security standpoint? Any uh, words of wisdom for the listeners? Yeah. Uh 
do not share your MFA code. All right. It doesn't matter how good or sexy or nice the person sounds on the phone. Do not ever share your MFA code or your password for that that point. But again, do not share your MFA code ever, period, end of discussion. <laughs> okay, mom, I can't give you my code. Do you understand? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've seen that before. Before. All right, cool. And then, Nick, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you and, and learn more, uh, you know, connect with you either on social media or just reach out and learn more about uh, the company? Yeah, sure thing. You could find me personally on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, you know, it's linkedin.com forward slash Wolf Nick. Or you could check out our website, evosecurity.com, and we're happy to connect with you as an MSP. Uh, no contracts, no minimums. We like to make it very easy for managed service providers to do business with us. And I don't think you can have any cooler of a name than Nick Wolf to be in security. So uh, I don't think that's any coincidence. Anyway, hey, Nick, thank you so much for being on the show. It's great to have you and get to know you a little bit better. Uh, we will catch up with you here soon. Thanks. All right. Thanks for having me, James. So this is James Kernan with Kernan Consulting signing off from the SMB Community Podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening.